You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud. The new web hosting plan from Bluehost, with 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Good morning, and thanks for joining me for Rise in Crime, your morning caffeine hit all about crime. I'm Mama Jules, and let's begin today with this update to the Moscow Mule mom, Corey Richens. So it's, it's been a minute since we talked about Corey. Here's a quick update. The Utah woman earned the nickname Moscow Mule Mom because she's currently being held in jail without bail for the death of her husband, Eric. She's been accused of killing Eric by making him a Moscow Mule cocktail and lacing that drink with fentanyl. But that's not all that Corey has gained notoriety for. She also threw a celebration party for a big real estate closing just one day after Eric died. And then she also wrote a children's book about grieving the loss of a parent. She then went on to market that book throughout Utah and online. And court documents accuse her of trying to poison Eric just two weeks before his death by lacing a sandwich with fentanyl. And following his death, court documents claim she got into a physical altercation with her dead husband's sister because prior to the death, Eric had put his sister in charge of his trust. This left Corey with little to no control of most of the finances. And court documents also allege that Corey took out multiple life insurance policies on Eric without Eric knowing. And the same documents allege she stole money from Eric that was meant to be used to pay tax debt. Okay, that's a very, very brief retell of what led us up to the new information coming out of the Summit County Jail where Corey is being held awaiting trial. Now, last week, deputies in the Summit County Jail found a handwritten letter to Corey's mother, Lisa Darden. The deputies were doing a targeted search of Corey's cell. In the letter, Corey instructs her mother, Lisa, to tell her brother to use the following phrase when asked about the case. Okay, here's the phrase. Eric told Ronnie that he got pain pills and fentanyl from Mexico from workers on the ranch. All right, so let's go over that again because it's really confusing. Ronnie is Corey's brother. So she instructs him to say via her mother, she's telling her mother to tell her brother to say this. So she instructs him to say, Eric, her husband, 
Eric told Ronnie that he got pain pills and fentanyl from Mexico from workers on the ranch. Okay, it is confusing. And yes, if you're going to establish a potential lie or reason for having fentanyl and pain pills at the home where your husband is poisoned, maybe come up with a better lie than from Mexico, because I've really thought this over. Here's my one thought is maybe she's thinking pain pills and fentanyl obtained in Mexico can't be tracked, like maybe. And the arrest affidavit that actually put her in jail, well, that arrest affidavit tracked fentanyl that was allegedly purchased by Corey from a friend who got it from a drug dealer. So maybe now she's thinking that she's going to create a whole country's worth of distance to you know shore up her lie. Or I don't know, maybe it's true but it seems a little far-fetched. However, court documents are also citing that Corey asked her mom to, in that letter, to tell her brother the phrase in person because her house and phone might be bugged. Okay, this all came about in a really weird fashion. So let's just, let's break it all down. Here's what exactly the Summit County Jail claims. They say just days ago, that Corey called her mother from the jail. In the call, she read aloud a portion of a handwritten letter to Corey by another inmate. So Corey's been writing letters back and forth with another inmate in the jail. An inmate-to-inmate correspondence is prohibited by county rules. So this is important because it justifies the eventual cell search. Okay, the very next day, during a video call with her mother, Corey held up a multi-page letter so that her mother could either read it or photograph the letter. Now, with this suspicion, the sheriff's office, later on that day after the video call, will they search Corey's cell. Neither of the letters from the two previous incidents, so the one letter that was inmate to inmate and the other letter that was the one that she held up for her mom in the video, neither one of those letters were found in Corey's cell. But they did find a letter titled, Walk the Dog. And this letter was hidden inside a study book in Corey's cell. Now, this Walk the Dog letter allegedly contained the phrase that she was asking her mother to share with her brother in order to explain where the fentanyl and pain meds came from. Then, two days later after finding the Walk the Dog letter, Corey again video called her mother. Corey, in that call, described the Walk the Dog letter as part of a fictional book she is writing about her fictional stay in a Mexican prison. So here's what she said in the call in her words. I'm going to read it verbatim. When I first got in here, I was telling you how I was writing a book. Those papers were not a letter to you guys. They were part of my freaking book. I was writing this fictional mystery book. I go to Mexico and I'm like trying to find these drugs. I'm writing about dad, like me and dad went to Mexico to find these drugs. You can very much tell that the whole thing is very much a story. Then I get in the Mexican prison and I said, have Sky sneak me in some white strips because my teeth are getting yellow because all we do is drink coffee in the Mexican prison. Okay, that's a weird explanation. And it doesn't really explain asking your mother to tell your brother the phrase about finding the drugs. But that's the explanation she's trying to give. And there is a chance none of this, everything that I've just explained to you, that none of it even makes it into trial. 
the state and Corey's attorneys are fighting over the legalities. Was the information obtained correctly? And was it shared with the defense attorneys correctly? Also, the defense is worried that the state violated the gag order in the case. They are saying that by releasing the letter to the public, they potentially tainted the jury pool. Okay, I can see how that would be a worry because in the six-page letter that was released, not only does Corey offer up the potential reason for fentanyl being in the house, but she also asks her mother to tell Ronnie, her brother, to say the phrase so that he can bring her home and then they will get those damn bitches. Okay, I'm guessing she's referring to Eric's sisters here. And I'm just totally guessing. But they are the two women who have doggedly pursued the truth in Eric's death. And I'll have the letter posted in the YouTube description and in the Instagram description. It's really worth a read because the letter's like a little frantic, a little demanding of her mother, and in my own opinion, not much of a fictional manuscript. But you read it and then you can decide. One thing's for sure. The state is asking that from this time forward until after the trial, that Corey be banned from any contact with her mother and brother. They are saying it equates to witness tampering. Well, the judge is yet to rule on that matter. And this trial isn't happening anytime soon. Corey's attorney says the state has had a massive head start on combing through mounds of evidence. Initially, the judge was looking to have the preliminary hearing this month, but Corey's attorney says that February or March of next year is more realistic, saying to the judge that she would be ineffective from the word go if she doesn't examine every piece of evidence. Now, for sure, Corey will be back in court on November 3rd, simply for scheduling purposes. The judge is expected to make more firm trial date decisions at that time. And of course, I'll keep you updated as everything rolls forward. And then there's this story out of Kansas that has rocked a Christian church and the neighborhood it serves. Shawnee, Kansas is a, it's a mid-sized city, about 70,000 people, but it's actually part of the larger Kansas City area. And the website for Crossroads, that's the church, Well, that website identifies them as a non-denominational, independent Christian church committed to reaching those who don't have a church home or have maybe given up on church for various reasons. Crossroads also has a thriving youth program that includes a nursery for kids under three and then an individual services for kids ages three to fifth grade and then student worship for kids in grades six to twelve. 41-year-old Matthew Lee Richards, he was the youth pastor for the kids three years to fifth grade. And on the church website, Matthew's biography says that he's just a big kid who loves teaching kids about Jesus. The bio also introduces his family by saying Matthew married Stephanie, his wife, in 2003, and together they are parents to four sons and one daughter. The bio lists the three rules his family follows. Rule number one, love God. Rule number two, love people. And rule number three, love sports, especially the Kansas Jayhawks and the Sporting KC. Okay, the Jayhawk is the mascot for the University of Kansas, so he must love all University of Kansas sports. And then Sporting KC is the major league soccer club in Kansas City. But being the youth pastor is not Matthew's only job. 
It has been reported that he was a seventh grade English teacher at the Christ Preparatory Academy in Lenexa. Now, this is the same school his sons attend, and the website database for the school indicates that Matthew has worked at Christ Preparatory Academy since 2020. From that same database, it's also reported that Matthew has been in full-time ministry for nearly 15 years, and the profile also indicates that he taught school in Vienna, Austria, and also in Dallas, Texas. Okay, I've just laid out Matthew's life for you, and from all outward appearances, this man really seems to have it all together. But that image was shattered on Saturday when Matthew was arrested for stabbing his wife, Stephanie, physically harming his children, and setting their Shawnee house on fire. It all went down in the early morning hours when the Shawnee Fire Department was dispatched to his Goody Drive home at 3.47 a.m. Firefighters found the blaze in the basement of the home where they were quickly able to extinguish the flames. But in the chaos... All seven people were transported to the hospital. So that includes Matthew, his five kids, and his wife. And all seven of them, they had some sort of lacerations. Matthew and Stephanie's oldest child, which is their only daughter, and then two of the sons, well, they were all released from the hospital that same day. However, Stephanie's wounds and two of their son's injuries were so severe that they're still hospitalized when this podcast went to recording. And online services were canceled Sunday at Crossroads, and they released the following statement on their Facebook page. The Crossroads Christian Church family is shocked, sickened, and saddened by Saturday morning's events involving our former children's pastor. This is a tragedy beyond what any of us could have imagined. We give our full cooperation and support to the Shawnee Police Department and the Johnson County Sheriff's Department as they conduct their investigation. We are offering support and resources to the members of the Richards family who were victimized and their extended family. The road to recovery will be long, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Please respect their privacy as they walk this incredibly challenging and painful road. Please join us as we continue to pray for and stand with them. We also ask for your respect and prayers for the many children and families affected by this incident. We are all grieving with our dear friends who are deeply hurting in so many ways. Crossroads Christian Church will offer grief counseling for children and families in the coming days and weeks. All right, I've scanned the church website and Facebook for any info about Matthew. So either it was either quickly scrubbed or he doesn't really participate in social media because I found very little. But the comments on the church's Facebook page are all extremely caring and loving. There's lots of support for Stephanie and her children. And really, to be honest, there's a fair amount of forgiveness for Matthew. Now, the garage of the family home is boarded up, and a small memorial of stuffed animals and flowers and streamers of colorful hearts surround a tree in front of the home. Matthew is currently being charged with five counts of premeditated attempted murder and one count of aggravated arson, and he's being held on a $5 million bond. Okay, I'm a little confused here. I said five counts. There were seven people total transported to the hospital. So I'm not sure why only five counts. It seems, I'm going to guess, of the people who were released on that day, the daughter and one of the sons were released. So one of them is not constituting a premeditated attempted murder count. All right. But 
All indication is that his wife suffered the most severe injuries. When he appeared before the judge on Monday, Matthew hung his head as his charges were read aloud. He was appointed a public defender. His next court appearance is scheduled for September 29th. And now another story out of the heartland, this one from Baldwin, Missouri. 25-year-old Marissa Polite was a compassionate radiology tech who had entered the medical field specifically to serve others. And I'm going to call her Rissa in the story because that's what her family called her. She had two dogs, Callie and Riley, who she loved dearly, and she also loved everything purple. On October 18th, Rissa was walking out of her work at Total Access Urgent Care when she was mowed down on the sidewalk by 20-year-old Trenton Geiger. Trenton drove through oncoming traffic. He traveled off the road, struck a light pole, then a tree, and then hit Rissa before finally slamming into the urgent care clinic. Trenton had passed out at the will of his moving SUV after abusing the nitrous oxide product called Whip It. And if you're wondering what Whip It is, I didn't know either. These are the small nitrous oxide canisters, and they're sold as a food propellant. Okay, so think whipped cream coming out of a larger canister that has a place where you would put the nitrous oxide to propel the cream out of the tube. So that sounds really innocent, right? A little whipped cream on top of some pie or something like that. But it would be if that's all the canisters were used as. But the company Whip It actually markets to smoke shops where they sell their product as laughing gas, particularly targeted to young adults who can easily become addicted. And it's not just a small portion of their business model. It's a majority. And Trenton, that's our passed out driver, he purchased Whip It from the Des Paris smoke shop named Coughing Cardinal on that very day of the accident. After the accident, he also fled the scene on foot after killing Rissa with his SUV, and then he threw empty whippet canisters in the nearby wooded area. Well, almost a year after Rissa's death, a jury in a civil suit awarded $745 million to Rissa's parents. Now, the jury on Friday found that United Brand Products Design Development, okay, that's the company that distributes Whippet. Well, the jury found that that company is 70% liable for Rissa's death. The remaining liability is divided up with 20% of the responsibility going to Coughing Cardinal, that's the smoke shop, and 10% of the liability going to Trenton, the driver. Now, the civil trial saw testimony from United Brands Warehouse employees who estimated that 75% of the company's product is delivered to smoke shops. Emails between company staff and smoke shop owners were also presented at trials showing that the company's marketing campaigns are directed at young people and their connections to the party scene. According to KSDK, each small green canister of Whippet can make 16 ounces of whipped cream. All right, so that implies that even if the smoke shops were selling the Whippet product to use for whipped cream making, That's a whole lot of canisters for a non-food-related business, and that's also a whole lot of whipping cream that would be made. And the civil suit also presented a pattern of deaths and injuries from Whippet, showing the product is abused throughout North America. Riss's parents' attorney, John Simon, told the St. Louis Dispatch Post that the company knew that selling to head shops 
caused other innocent people to die. He said their continuance of selling and marketing to young adults should be stopped, and he was hoping that the verdict would send a message to the entire industry. Well, $745 million is definitely a message. And the attorneys for the manufacturing companies said during the trial that Trenton should actually be solely responsible for Rissa's death, citing that Trenton ignored warning labels advising users to not inhale with it. They wrote in court documents that United Brands should be no more responsible for Trenton's illegal and impaired driving than, say, like Anheuser-Busch would be for a drunk driving accident. Well, all three defendants in the case, United Brands, Coughing Cardinal, and Trenton, they can appeal the verdict. And Trenton's attorney said that his client has always taken responsibility for his actions, but that he has shared responsibility because both Coughing Cardinal and United Brands made him fall into a trap of thinking the abuse of Whippet was harmless. So you're probably wondering, what kind of criminal penalty did Trenton have to pay? Well, you might be frustrated this part of the story. Last March, Trenton was sentenced as part of a plea deal to second-degree involuntary manslaughter. He was also sentenced to unlawful possession of drug paraphernalia and tampering with evidence. He will serve two years in prison for the death of Rissa. Now, Rissa's parents, they weren't completely thrilled with the outcome of the criminal portion of their daughter's death. The prosecutor's office told the St. Louis Post-Dispatch that they did not object to the plea deal, but they wished Trenton would be required to serve more time. And the prosecutors also said her parents, they understood the limitations of the evidence. See, the prosecutors admitted that toxicology screening of Trenton's blood did not show nitrous oxide present, but THC was present in the screening. They also said that until the testing improves, some drugs will just not be able to be shown beyond a reasonable doubt. After the verdict was reached in the civil case, attorney John Simon said the following, Marissa Paulite should be the last death. It shouldn't have happened in the first place, but my God, it should be the last. Well, that's your Thursday episode of Rise and Crime. I always appreciate your case suggestions, so make sure you leave them in the comments and make sure you visit Oh No Media or Murder With My Husband. They have an upcoming live show. I'll be there. It's in California. You can get all of the details on the Oh No Media website, and I'll make sure that's linked in the description as well. Um, and then I'll continue to have updates to that live show on my Instagram page as well. Make sure you follow me there on Instagram, also on TikTok, and I'd love it if you would subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can join me again on Monday for more morning crime news. I'm Mama Jules. Keep safe out there.